I'm Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise. Why don't we all stand up before we get started? All right. I'm going to have my sister Nandri come up and share um, a quick testimony, the first testimony of 2016. <laughs> and so uh, please give a warm welcome to Nandri as she comes up and shares. Thank you, everyone. Um, I really hope this blesses you and ministers to you, and especially the beginning of a new year. Um, you know, I really began thinking about it last night since I got the notification that I'd be giving my testimony this morning, and I just thought, wow, what a whirlwind it's been this last year, and a lot of you don't know, but I moved down to Chicago. I had a few jobs. I have a full-time job now. Um, I am engaged, planning on getting married soon, and all the things that God's done for me in the last year, is it's really mind-blowing to see God's handiwork after it's been completed, you know, and I know he still has more to do in me and through me, so I'm excited about that. I just wrote this, and I just want to read it so I don't miss anything. When I've simply thought through things and relied on my feelings, I begin to feel uneasy and even afraid of the future. You can understand when at the time I just started a new job and I wasn't sure if I'd pass my 90-day probation because of the challenges and difficulty in my job. I even became stressed at some points because of my job and thought I'd become sick because of it. And when I thought about being engaged and planning for a wedding coming sooner than I originally thought, I can still feel overwhelmed. But when I pray and seek the Lord, it's then that I'm filled with courage and peace, the peace that passes understanding. And with that, I'd like to share this passage from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I want to thank the Lord now because I've past my 90 days and I now have full benefits, my full-time job, and I have not become sick at all the last several months when people around me have been sick and passing around germs and viruses, and I um, also have peace about my wedding coming soon. I also want to testify that I've been ministering to my job even when I felt like I maybe didn't belong there when I seek the Lord each day for his purposes for me and I pray that he uses me, I really feel that he encourages me to reach out to my coworkers and it's a very dark place. A lot of people, they really need the Lord and they don't even know it and the Lord's using me to be a light in the dark place. I'll just pray over us right now. Lord, I thank you so much for your blessings and how much you care for us so deeply that you've preordained our paths you've planned our lives out and you want to bless us and you have great plans for us i thank you and i praise you lord for your saving grace your awesome power that set us free set me free from darkness and you can do that for anyone that comes to you and i pray that we wouldn't lean on our own understanding but we would trust you lord and we wouldn't trust our hearts that can be deceitful but we would trust in you because you do not lean like the shadows you do not turn like the shadows your truth is forever. I thank you and I praise you, Lord. Thank you. Bless the service today. Let your Holy Spirit have its way that we can glory and praise you, Lord. Amen.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you put those hands together with me this afternoon? Let's sing this out in your life. Joy. 
you for your love. We thank you for your life today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we're so thankful today. We're so thankful for your presence today in this place. We're so thankful for your goodness, Lord. We're so thankful for your promises, Lord. And God, one of those many promises, oh God, is that you promise to never leave us and never forsake us, oh God. God, and we thank you, Lord, that you are constant, that you don't change like shifting shadows, God, that we can rely on you, that we can trust in you, God. And when we call on your name, you are there. God, fill this place with your awesome love, Lord. Fill our hearts, God, with a sense of your love and your presence, Lord. Say it. 
two. You ready? On and on. Say on and on and on and on. It's over. I say it overwhelms. Cause it overwhelms. I'm so satisfied. One more time, on and on it goes. Say, on and on and on and on. And come on, it overwhelms us today. Say, it overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never ever have to be afraid. This one thing remains. Your welcoming the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit, come fill my heart with your love. Come on, very simple, very easy. But Jesus is dying to get near you. Jesus is urging, wanting so much to get near you today. And all you have to do is say, God, I welcome you. God, I want you. God, I need you. That's all you need to say. Oh, Jesus, we put our defenses down. We put our fists down, God, and we welcome you. We welcome your awesome love in this place, Lord. Overwhelm and satisfy us today with your love, Lord. Come on, reach out, reach out, and get filled with his love. Jesus, let your love break every wall and fill every empty heart in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Your perfect love today. Jesus, Jesus, thank you for your love, God. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we thank you for your love, God, that you desire to be near us, Lord. We thank you for your love, Jesus, today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. You give life. You give love. You bring light into our darkness. God, this song is about you. It's about how great you are. It's about how great your love is for us. God, your word says that we love you because you first love us. Oh, God, we say this afternoon, we love you, God. We love you today, Jesus. You give life. You want love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. Store every 
Our praise belongs to no one else but you, Jesus. Oh, and we come before you today, God, and we thank you for being the Lord of the earth. We thank you for another year that you let us come before you, God, another day to praise your beautiful and holy name, God. You said that if we don't praise, even the rocks would cry out, God, but we want to be a people who praise your name. God, we don't want the rocks to cry out when we can do it ourselves, oh God. If we've fallen short in the last year, God, I pray that we would make it right this year and that we would fall more in love with you and we would be more devoted and, and more willing to praise God. To get in our closets, our prayer closets, and tell you how much you mean to us in the secret place. God, we love you. We pour out our praise. We pour out our praise to you only. I love you, Jesus. And I pray that every person here would say that in their hearts. Oh, just to give you a moment, God. Let every heart be still before you. Thank you, Lord, for being the God who says, be still and know. That we can be still and know this year that you are God. No matter what we face, no matter what comes up against us, the joys and the victories and, and the things that we can't take care of ourselves, God, but that we can be still and know this year that you are on the throne and anything that comes in our way, anything that hits this world, God, that you are still and we can know. Thank you, Jesus, for being the center of it all. And we pray this in your wonderful and awesome name, Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. He is good. And I want to take a moment and just to share the gospel with you. And this is our communion Sunday. This is such an awesome way to kick off the first of the year. And we do this at the beginning of every month. And so I just want to read this, this verse to you as they pass out the elements. In Luke 22, 19 and 20, he says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This is the cup that is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. And it's so important to remember that there was a sacrifice, that we wouldn't be remembering anything if Jesus had not gone to that cross, if he had not taken the beatings that belonged to us, And for those of you who, who know Jesus, I just pray that this is the year that you just really give it your all. See your friends get saved. But to those, and friends and family, and just those around you, your coworkers, I mean, people you know, you run into so many people, and this is the year for them. God is giving them another day, another year. 
And I just pray for those of you who, who don't yet know who Jesus is. I pray that this is the year that you really find him because the Lord says if you seek him with your whole heart, he draws near to you as you draw near to him. So draw near this day. And we want to take this to remember that if it weren't for his blood poured out, we wouldn't be saved. We would still be in the same mess that they were in the Old Testament because this is the new covenant. So I want us to take the elements together. And so he took this bread. This is his body that was broken for us. Let us take this in remembrance of him. You can take it. to take the cup and he said this is my the cup that is poured out for you is the covenant the new covenant in his blood and we can take that together we just we thank you we thank you for being the Lord of all we thank you God for your your body that was broken and bruised and beaten for us and we thank you God for your blood that was poured out to save all mankind for those who accept you and choose you God because you chose us first I thank you Jesus for loving us all more than we even love ourselves God that you saw the value in us when the rest of the, the world was telling us that we were valueless. Thank you, Lord, and, and we just lift this time up to you and we just glorify your name. Thank you again, Jesus. Amen. We are going to um, recite our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview and this is what we do every Sunday. And uh, we're going to read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. You guys can greet your neighbors if you need prayer. We have a couple prayer workers that will be up here that you can get prayed for.
excited to be at church 2016. Happy New Year. Look to your neighbor, give them a high five, say Happy New Year. Can you guys believe it's 2016? I cannot believe it's 2016. But I love to see all your wonderful faces. I see a lot of new faces. I might be a new face to a lot of you. I was MIA for about five weeks due to the car accident, but I am back. And it's good to be back. And it's so wonderful to see all you guys here. And uh, we just are really looking forward to an awesome 2016 here at MPI. So we welcome you. Our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. That's our family service where we have King's Kids provided for our children in the back, infant to 11 years old. And then every Friday we have Elevate at 7 p.m. You guys beat the first service. Just FYI, maybe want to tease them a little bit. Elevate in second service is strong. Fridays at 7 p.m. every week. That's for our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. If you are in that age group or you know somebody in that age group, you have got to invite them, bring them here. This is a place for teenagers to be on Friday nights. And so here at MPI, we have a vision, strategy, and goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people right there in that pretty beautiful red heart. Loving God, loving people is our vision. Our strategy is connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you through our life groups, mentor you through our 101 and 201 books, and then we want to send you out to do evangelism, to preach the gospel on the streets. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If that gets you excited, say amen. We have an awesome video for you. We're kicking off the new quarter, the new year, with our new life groups, okay? So January, February, and March is our new quarter of life groups for the year. We want you guys to get connected. So take a look. You're going to meet a lot of our leaders who are just there for you, opening up their lives, opening up their home to invest in you. So enjoy this video. so excited about this new year coming up and the new quarter of life groups and we would love for you guys to get connected and find a place to belong yes nancy and i are so excited about this new year 2016 god is going to make you and keep you crispy and clean the life groups are a great way to get life they're a part of our connect phase and our connect mentor send of our discipleship program you want to make sure to stay connected get connected and help your friends and family be connected we'll see you at life groups Hi everyone, this is Pastor Susie. I'd like to invite all the families to come to the church Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. for our Christian Boys and Girls Clubs. Every last Wednesday of the month we do Family Fun Night, so check us out on Facebook for more information. How's it going? I'm Pastor Jared here. I want to tell you about Evangelism Chicago for Jesus. Every Saturday at 5 p.m. we meet here at the church and then we go and hit the streets and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to our city. Come join us. Hi, my name is Pastor Lauren. This is Cynthia Rodon, and we are the leaders of the Single Moms Life Group. We meet every other Sunday at 5 p.m. Check us out on Facebook, and child care is always provided. We get into the Word, we fellowship, come be a part of what God is doing in our life group. Hey, everybody, it's Ricky and Rachel, and we lead the Marriage Life Group once a month at 5 p.m. here at Metro Praise International. We always have a great time, so we want to invite you to come and hang out with us. It's a new year, new beginnings. Come check us out. It's going to bless your marriage. We have childcare. Check out our Facebook. What's up, everybody? My name is Lawrence. This is Ulysses right here. We're leaders of the uh, Resistance Life Group here at Elevate. We meet up every first and third Tuesday of the month from 6 to 7.30 p.m. We have a great time of evangelism and fellowship. Come join us out. You'll love it. 
Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy 2016. We want to invite you to our adult Bible study. This quarter, we will be going through the Truth Project. That's right. We meet every single Friday at 7 p.m. at our place. Like us on Facebook, go via MPF Bible Study. Hi, guys. We're Stephen and Carmen Ramos, and we lead the Righteously Redeemed Life Group every first and third Wednesday at our home for ages 11 to 18 years old. Meet us here at 6 p.m. for some food and fellowship, followed by the Word of God. See you there. Happy 2016, Metro Praise International. My name is Tony, and this is my wife, Jerry, and we are the Vivids. We're hosting Bible study at our house Friday nights at 7 o'clock. This quarter, we're going to be going over the Truth Project, so come and join us. Hi, I'm Robin Lopez. This is Cynthia. We lead up the Single Life Group. We meet every first Sunday of the month at 4 p.m. at 3719 West Byron. See you there. Hey, guys, this is Rudy and Nicole. We're leaders of the Ambassadors Youth Life Group. So if you're between the ages of 11 and 18, we meet every first and third Saturday of each month at Cynthia's house. Yeah, we're going to have fun getting into God's Word and have a lot of fellowship. Come join us. Hey, my name is Stephen Ramos, and I lead the Gang Ministry Life Group. If you have a calling and a heart to reach gang bangers for Jesus Christ and believe that God is greater than the violence in our city, then join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at my house. So who's excited to connect? Come on. I like that response. If you turn your handouts around, you'll see the schedule for the whole quarter, January, February, March. Look at it. Find a place to belong. Here's our connect phase. Here are our life groups for this week. We have today, our singles are meeting, 18 to 35 years old, 4 p.m. There's the address. So any singles in the house, you got to be there. Tuesday, we have the Resistance Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, the Righteously Redeemed Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. at the church. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids every week, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. You want your children to be a part of this. This is our boys club and a girls club for Jesus. This is where they get discipled, they get to earn different things, and you want your children to be there every week. Thursday, every week, it's our gang ministry, 18 years and up, are welcome to join, 7 p.m., the Hit the Streets. How many of you guys know that Chicago needs a gang outreach ministry? We got to win those young people for the Lord so that revival spreads like wildfire around us. And then every Friday, we're going to have two adult Bible studies. One is going to be at the Govea's uh, house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. The other one, the Vivids, come on, give it up for Jerry and Tony. They're starting theirs this Friday, 18 years and up. 7 p.m., that's their address. So we really want to encourage you guys, get connected. Look to your neighbor, say, get connected. Look to your other neighbor, say, get connected. This is your year. If you allowed 2015 to pass you by and stay unconnected, this is your year to get connected. Do not allow these life groups to pass you by. You want to be a part of the body of Christ and fellowship and get encouraged throughout the week. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that book. Leaders that will uh, encourage you, pray for you, be there for you in the valleys low and the mountaintops. And so we have leaders ready to ask you, hey, let's do the 101. Let's go out for coffee. Allow them to come into your life if you really want to get serious about living for God. And then you'll graduate to the 201 class. 
That book is Disciples That Make Disciples. We have a Sunday morning class with Pastor Jared and a Thursday evening class with Pastor Ellie. And that's where we train you guys to be leaders, elders and deacons in the church. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism on the streets every Saturday from 5 to 8. We have people on the streets preaching the gospel. If you want to be a Marine for Jesus... If you want to be trained up to be a bold warrior, you have got to be there on Sunday nights. All of our life groups, whether it's marriage, the adult Bible studies, have some form of evangelism connected to them. But this is where you will get trained to do it. So we really want to encourage you guys. This is a part of our, our, our strategy. We want you to be there. And so then we want to send, our goal is to have 100,000 in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. That's our vision, strategy, and goal. We want to connect, mentor, and send you. And our vision is to love God and love people. So how many of you guys want to do that with us in 2016? Come on. We can't do it alone. God brought you here for a reason, so get plugged in. Here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. That's our way of being faithful to the Lord with what he's blessed us with. Our offerings are designated here in two places, one to missions and one to the building. Missions funds are given to support various mission projects throughout the year. Your generosity, your faithfulness allows us to do that as a church to win the nations, to allow the word to be preached all over the world. And right now we're in a building fund for new band equipment. I know that you guys have been uh, hearing about that, praying about that. We'll get into the details of it a little bit later. But we want to turn our attention right now to the Disciples Giving Book. So you can go to your phones and go to givingbook.org. This is a book that Pastor Joe wrote. It's 52 lessons on tithes and offerings, being able to challenge you to give, to be faithful. So we are on lesson, section one and lesson one. Lesson one, the tithe was implied with Cain and Abel. The definition is the tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. Somebody say faithfully. Let's read Genesis 4, 3 through 7. You can follow along on the screen if you haven't turned there already. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That's pretty deep, isn't it? Here are the three main points. Number one, God judges what we offer him. God judged both offerings on a standard that must have been known to both of them in advance. Most likely, the standard of giving was similar to the tithe, which was probably given to Adam by God and passed down. So they both knew growing up that there was some type of a standard of offering of giving to the Lord. And God did not look on Cain with favor in his offering, but with Abel he did. And that's because Cain brought him the leftovers and uh, Abel brought him the best of what he had. And so if we want God to look on favor in our offering, we got to do what's right. Number two, everyone can do right. God clearly tells Cain that if he does what is right, this implies keeping the giving standard like the tithe, his gift will be accepted. Verse 7. And number three, don't let sin rule over you. The opposite of doing what God commands is sin, even when it comes to giving. Thus, we are to be obedient to his standard of giving and remain faithful to it. 
Here's a summary. The very fact that Cain's offering was rejected and Abel's was accepted implies a standard like the tithe from the time of Adam and Eve. And that's why we as Christians today believe in the tithe and believe in offering. Let's apply this in two ways. Number one, resist the temptation to sin and withhold the tithe from God. If that was a struggle for you in 2015, make that your resolution, that you're going to be faithful to the Lord in your finances, that you're not going to withhold the, uh, the finances that God is saying is his. Let's be faithful in this new year and watch what God does through your life. And number two, be a tither. Always give God your best with your first fruit. Let's confess this together over our life, over this new year, over your finances. God is so good. God is so faithful. And when we speak life, we're going we're gonna to reap life. So we don't want to speak death or sow seeds of death. Let's speak these words as seeds into our life this year. Are you guys with me? On the count of three, one, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Come on, if that gets you excited, stand up to your feet. As we prepare our hearts, we prepare to give the Lord our very best. You could go to the previous slide, please. Again, MPI believes in a tithe. We believe in offering missions or building. I just want you guys to be very clear and on the envelope that you're putting the specific amounts in each category, whether it's the tithe, the building, or the mission, so that those funds can be properly allocated to where you want them to go. Here are four ways you guys could give them. How have you guys noticed the new slides? Aren't they nice? Very pretty. I love it. Four ways for you to give. Number one, in the buckets right up here during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. If you don't know where those are, they're in the back, mounted to the brick wall. You can ask some of our ushers to help you out. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry for that. And number four, online, by yourself, very quick and easy, with Chase QuickPay, PayPal, and BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Isn't that awesome? Super convenient. So many different ways. This is our building offering for this year. We want to raise $11,120 for new band equipment. God has done so much in 2015. We're going to keep pushing for awesome things this year. And it doesn't happen with one person alone. The whole church comes together and makes things happen for the kingdom of God on this earth. So number one, we want you to keep praying. Ask God what that amount is that he wants you to give. Two, listen to the Holy Spirit. He has something that he wants to share with you. It's not about a pastor beating you over the head, head telling you to give, give, give. It's Jesus. It's a relationship that you have with him. And three, give and give generously unto the Lord. And here's our new verse for the year that we will be reciting together every week. I want to read it fully alone so you guys could hear it and then we'll say it together. Philippians 4.18, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Are you ready to say it with me? Starting with and on the count of three, one, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for an awesome new year. We know, Lord God, that you hold this year in your hands. We don't know what's coming, but no matter if we're going to be in valleys low, in the mountaintops, we know that you are there. You are guiding us. You are leading us. You will remain faithful, O oh God, and we will keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
And I ask, oh Lord, that you would bless and look upon us with favor today as we present our offering, as we give you our tithe so that your church, your, your kingdom could be established in this place, in this city and across the nations. Use us, oh God, to be your hands and your feet. Bless and prosper your people. I pray for increase this year like never before. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you give and thank you for your support. Thank you for your generosity. Come on, come on. How many are ready for a 2015 review? Amen. You guys did so awesome. I want to tell you thank you for making 2015 a great year. We went to two services. As you can see, we got plenty of room to grow. Before we were having everybody in one service, there was not enough room for our children. There wasn't any more space. So now we've been having healthy room to grow. So let's look at this in review. It's on the website, mpichurch.org, or our Facebook page, and even my personal page. I just shared it if you want to see everything I'm looking at. So the most important thing to us at Metro Praise International is disciples. Here are you're seeing the entire year. January, we started off with 128. We averaged the, the whole year 139 disciples. Let's give it up for Jesus. You guys are awesome. We have here the um, elders on the bottom are the blue, the foundation of the church. We then see the deacons are the reds, and then we see the greens, the 201s, and the 101s. Our highest month was in September, which is usually our best month for our, us as a church, 155 disciples. That means in the elders and deacons, those who have graduated, and 201 and 101 class, that is awesome. Here's been our attendance in 2008. And 15, we averaged two, uh, 201 people. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. 201 people. I know some of those numbers there are cut off. Uh, but here you see we started uh, the year at 175, ended with 213. We peaked at uh, April with Easter, an average of 219. That's all the weeks together. That's for the month. And then in November with the All Nations Dinner, we had 219. And in December with our um, our talent show, we had an all-time record for both services combined, 286 people. Let's give it up for Jesus. Jesus. 
You can see there the blue line was last year. There was never a time that we went below last year's numbers. We were always above, and the average was 201. So when you put it together, here's the summary. Uh, disciples are up 30% from last year, from 107 in 2014 to 139 in 2015. That's plus 32. Attendance up 35% from 149 average in 2014 to 201 in 2015. That's plus 52. That's our biggest growth year ever. And then overall, 90%, that means 9 out of 10 people who consider Metro Praise their church are involved in Mentor, Connect, Mentor, and Send. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We also look to our life groups. We have 11 life groups. 11 life groups. Here they are in order with their highs and their averages. And I want to thank everybody for making these life groups awesome. The number one was Wednesday's King's Kids Met Weekly. Had a higher high of 168. That was their Christmas event that just passed. They averaged 63 a week every Wednesday, 63 a week. Marriage group meeting monthly, 39, averaging 27. Goivea's Bible study meeting weekly had a high of 29, averaging 21. The singles ministry, which is meeting today, has a high of 27, average of 17. Elevate righteously redeemed with your very own Steve in the back. Bi-weekly had a high of 25, averaging of 17. Elevate the resistance, bi-weekly averaging. A high of 21, averaging uh, 14. Evangelism, meeting weekly, had a high of 20, an average of 13. Walker's Bible study, high of 20, average of 11. Now that will be the Vivids. Single moms, doing awesome bi-weekly, had a high of 15, average of 11. Elevate Ambassadors, started this year, had a high of 11, an average of 9. And the gang outreach as well with uh, Steve had a high of 5, an average of 5. That was a new one. So here's the uh, stats for the life groups. Over... To, oh, here we go. 208 people on average every month attend MPI's 11 life groups. Isn't that awesome? Every month, 208 people are attending life groups. They're a little bit more excited than you are about the hand clap right now. Are you guys excited about life groups? <laughs> it's a little hard. I know it's New Year. We don't know how to do it anymore. We forgot. Teach us how to clap again, Pastor, at the New Year. But you, you, these are you guys, right? You guys do these things. Okay. It's like, who are we clapping for? We're clapping for ourselves right now. Variety. Life groups range from infant to adult, gang outreach to marriage classes and weekly to monthly meetings. And overall, because our average is 201 and 208 people a month go to life groups, we have 104 participation rate in our life groups. That means more people are coming to the life groups than to church, which is awesome because that's a connect face for our friends. Amen. Now, let's get to the Elevate stats. They had a high of in 2015 of 92 teenagers with a weekly average of 58 every week. Isn't that awesome? Over 50 young people meeting every week, and they did a big event with 92. They have 19 students in the 101. These are junior high and high schoolers, and three in the 201. Their goal is to raise that up a whole lot more in the 201, and that means each month they have 40 students attending their life groups. That's out of their average of 58. That's a lot of students, 40, coming to their life groups, and 75% of their youth group is in discipleship. Isn't that awesome? God is good. God is so good. Here's some ministry highlights. We have a Bible college that uses our space as a cohort extension site. We always have more than 10 students. Sometimes we get as high as 15. Right now we're at about 13. Uh, in 2015, May, we graduated three with their bachelor's of arts degrees, one with their master's, and now that was Pastor Jared, and he's actually teaching in the Bible college, fully accredited BA and master's program, baptized 29 people and ordained 13 deacons, had two different ordination services, 
four at one time and nine at the other. Here's the, the graduating class with some of the leaders from SU and Bible College here. Here are 29 of those who got baptized. You can see their pictures more closely online. And then here are the pictures of our new orly, newly ordained deacons. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. Isn't that exciting? So much fun. Yes, little old us is doing some pretty big things. And now, here it comes to the shekels. We brought in $231,779.69. Give it up for Jesus. Woo! I'm so excited about that. And we spent $220,200.49 for Jesus, leaving us with $11,579.20. What's really cool about our church is we don't keep any secrets on the, uh, let me just show you how to do it, by the way, if you guys don't know how to do the goodies online. So all you can do is just go to MPI Church, and that's where you always find what we have. When you uh, come to the website, you'll see that we have the uh, directions, start the life groups, all that stuff, the video you just saw, the sermon notes for today, past sermons. And past sermons, by the way, I add to the notes that were that were what I used here in the, the service, I add then the video. So that makes it very convenient. And you can also subscribe to our podcast via Apple or YouTube. So very easy. But then you see the latest blogs down here, which is what uh, came out today. You'll see the report, and you can see exactly what I'm looking at, and then this uh, PDF right here. I'm, I've been looking at the overall report, and then this right here is the profit and loss. We hide no secrets from you, nothing. You can see where every dollar was spent, what it was used for, and I I uh, want to stop and, and talk about something that's very really special to my wife and I. We were able to make over $78,000. Thank you very much. Can we give a hand clap for that? Amen. <laughs> we're happy about that. Praise God. We're all, somebody's like, I wish I could make that much money. Well, work as hard as Poppy does and you get some of that, all right? But I am so thankful for those of you that supported us. Average pastors make around 80000 My wife and I both have our degrees. I'm getting my doctorate. For me, that would be about 125 on average for someone with my degree. With her, it would be around 80. We would be well into the 200s if we were working separately. Yes, churches have money. It's a business. But the board set our salary, and we chose to have it at 100000 And we would rather split 50-50 and only use what we need and have surplus in the bank than to claim more than what we need and put the church into a bind. And so most churches budget for uh, personnel is right around 60%. We could have easily taken our 100 this year, but we chose to put more towards the ministry and only bring in 78. And that's a good lifestyle for us. I'm not trying to act like a martyr here. We are blessed. Amen. And if you want to see where more of the numbers go, just go there, scroll through it, like what you like and don't like what you don't like. But uh, how we spend our money is through our uh, our, our financial committee, Ricky is here somewhere. Where is Ricky? He's doing security. Isn't that awesome? So he's also in charge of security. He's on the financial committee, and you can ask him any uh, detail questions. Like if you're just like, man, where did this go? What happened here? As you can see, the list is pretty in-depth. You can be like, uh, let me see here. If you want to look at this list, you can say, uh, what what did we spend on cost of goods for $5,955? And he would say, oh, that was for our T-shirts and sweatshirts and all of those things. And you can see how the money got spent. How many are happy a church tells you where the money goes? Amen? No secrets here. No secrets. Cheer. All right. So here's some highlights. We raised over 18000 for a new van and sign. Missions raised $3,197 for both local and abroad. And we spent back into the community $22,000 to love people with the gospel. Let's give Jesus a hand clap for that. Amen. 
$22,000 is, is into the mission fund, into the Boricua Fest, into the things that we give away. So that's about 10% of our budget goes directly to everything being free. As you've been to our conferences, you've been to our outreaches, everything we do is free. Uh, all those youth programs that they've done is free. The only time we charge money is when somebody else is charging money and, and we have to, to, to be a middleman. Like when we go on the retreat, the hotel charges money and we just tell you what the cost is, etc. But whenever we do ministry here, it's F-R-E-E. Amen. Now, let's keep on going. Are you guys excited? So the new sign is coming. We've already got the money raised. Boom, shakalaka. It's already been approved by the alderman. Now we're just waiting for the last permit to go through the city. And, of course, everybody got to get paid in the city. You know what I'm saying? So we just wait for the last one to get paid. But it's coming out there. Money's been raised. And that beautiful white van is already in the back. Dun, 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 dun. Has anybody rode in the white van yet? It is pimping. It is nice. And so if you're wondering, like, man, where's all that extra money goes? Well, here's where it's at. $7,508.08 is in the missions budget. It's designated. It's there for a reason. $3,992 is left from our building offering. We raised about $9,500. We gave them $5,500. We got the other four Gs waiting for when they install it and finish the project. And so in total, when you look at our general savings account, it's only $311.88. So if you have $311. $311 in your bank account or more, you, uh, more than $311, you have more than us, but uh, that's because we want to really use the money for God's purposes and glory, amen? So that's the total of $11,800, and that's roughly the same amount of our surplus. And then you see here now we got 2016 goals. Right, how many want some goals? You got some goals for this year? Anybody want to look young and sexy, amen? Bringing the sexy back. Anybody want to get engaged this year? Anybody want to get married this year? Any young person want to graduate high school or college or get a good grade this year? Here's our goals. Have 168 disciples, 215 attendants in both services, buy that brand new equipment, save $10,000. It would be nice to have some shekels in the savings, amen? So if we have a bad month, we don't have to be like, man, where's that money come from, you know? And then uh, number five, we want to have that awesome Philippines mission trip in March. So it's already been planned. The tickets have been bought, and those remaining shekels, a lot of them are going to be used for that mission trip. And so we're so excited about this. Just give as the Lord leads you to give. As you saw the offering done today, it's how we promised to always do the offering. You guys were with us last year, right? Isn't that how we did it every week? And that's how we brought in all those shekels. Why? Because God is good. When my wife and I started this church, we said we would not manipulate. We wouldn't keep any secrets. We would just go hardcore for Jesus and ask people to believe with us. Amen? Amen. Well, I got a couple of amens. Anybody believe that? Amen. That's how we do it. Amen. Everybody gives a tie. The millionaire gives a tie. Somebody could drop 100000 in the offering and go, oh, look at me. I'm Mr. Big Bucks. But hey, did you make a million this year or last year? Yeah. Well, that's just your tie. That's no different than one of these young men working a part-time job, making 300 a week, putting in $30. You put in $100,000, just like you put in $30. It's a tithe. Amen. And then in offerings, whatever you offer above that tithe. So the poor widow, she says, here's a penny, Jesus. I'm giving my all. And then somebody says, here's a million dollars. It's all perspective to what God's telling you to do to what you have. So be generous to what's in your life. That's the motto I live by. Amen. And so thank you. And let's go and get some new band equipment. We're going to get a live drum set, push out this stage a little bit this way, a little bit that way, get some recording equipment. And it's going to be really awesome. We'll keep the keyboard, some of the stuff up here. But these speakers have been giving us problems and these monitors. And what we'll do is we'll keep this for the new churches that we'll be planning. Why? Because this is what we're talking about, the big vision. When we say 50 campuses around Chicago, this is one of the 50 campuses, housing 2,000 disciples. 
This was made by one of our young professionals in the church many, many years ago, before most of you ever even came to this church, I guarantee you. This was probably done around 2008. We've been repeating the same vision, strategy, and goal since day one. The first day we started the church, it was being said. And so now, everybody check this out. What we'll probably do is expand the next uh, probably 25 to 30 years to our 50 campuses. We will not go directly from here to, you know, to the next one, to the next one, keep going bigger and bigger. I don't want to have one megachurch. I want to have a denomination of megachurches. Amen. We want to change the world, change the game, okay? So what we're going to do here is probably in a year or so, planning for 2017, either give this one to Pastor Ellie or Pastor Ellie will go somewhere else, and we're just going to start churches all in this area and give Walgreens and Aldi's and McDonald's a run for their money. So we're keeping this. This is a campus. This is pretty ideal. If we could get that last corner store right there, that, that pawn shop, we would be good. Enough children's area, bam. And so that's what we want to do probably to about 50, and then we'll start growing the 50 large and in charge. And so if you divide 100,000 divided by 50, that's 2,000 people per campus. But for us, it's not just about building a 2,000-seat sanctuary. Our vision has always been to have sanctuary. So use your imagination with me now. When you walk into a movie theater, you see multiple theaters, right? One movie theater, but multiple ones in there. Um, um, one place, but a metroplex. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? We don't want to lose what is Metro Praise. Our sanctuaries, we don't want our sanctuaries to be bigger than this. This is about as big as Metro Praise sanctuaries will ever be. Are you guys getting that? Isn't that a revolution already? See what I'm saying? We're, not, we're going to be 100,000, but this will probably be as big as our sanctuaries ever are. So what do you do with 2,000 disciples? You have 10 sanctuaries of 200. You have disciples leading in those sanctuaries so everybody can know each other and they can have intimacy. Picture a movie theater. Are you guys with me? This is called vision. We want to have a school one day, K through 12, SUM Bible College, a gym, a rec center, and food court. I'm talking bowling alleys, the whole entire thing. I want to show YMCA what they should have been doing all along. You understand what I'm talking about? And then community services. So you're talking about right here 100,000 with a $100 million vision. That's what it's going to take to put these campuses out there. About $20 million, or, uh, yeah, but no, excuse me, $2 million a piece just to get in on these kind of properties and build them out. And that's why $100,000, $100 million ain't nothing but a thing for God. And don't be jelly, amen, don't be jelly, and don't be hating. Y'all got a blank piece of paper. You can put on it whatever you want. What's your dream? What's your goal? See, Metro Praise started off a long time ago with this, and now this year we redesigned it so you could see it easier. The heart of what we do is loving God and loving people. That's it. That's what Jesus told us to do, loving God and loving people. That's the heart of what we're doing. And how are we going to do that? We're going to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, send you out with the cross. And there, that 100,000 disciples in Chicago, it's disciples. It's not church members. It's disciples. That's why a lot of times, as you see, when we went through this, our growth will go up and down. It will fluctuate. We're not always mega, mega. We're not always going up, 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 in a way. No, man, people leave the church all the time. There's always people coming in and out. But what you'll notice as you stick with us, we don't die, we multiply. Amen? And when you leave, we get 10 more in your place. I'm telling you the truth. We will. We keep growing and growing and growing because it's a steady vision. It's a steady path 
pattern. Well, I'm not here to entertain. See, when you when you win people in a church setting with entertainment, then that means I got to entertain you every week and I got to have a play every week. But we exalt the name of Jesus here. We lift up the word of God. I'm not saying we're the only ones, but we're about some of the only ones that do it the way we do it. Okay, let's just keep it real. For having 90% of our church and disciples, I don't know of another church in Chicago that has that. You know of one. I'll stop saying we're the only ones. But until then, I believe we are the only one with 90%. You know what the national average is? 20%, 2-0. We're more than four times the national average. And then some of the pastors, you know, Pastor Big Bucks will come along and be like, well, that's easy with 200. What are you going to do when you get 1,000? They're not, they're not going to want to do any of that stuff. They talk like Boss Hogg when they get all big and bad, okay? This is like me from my southern image of a pastor, okay? But just follow with What are you going to do when you got 1,000? They don't want to come to church all the time, and they don't want to do this all the time. Well, I'll tell you what, my 1,000 won't look like your 1,000 because our 1,000 are going to be disciples. It's like when I had one kid and I told everybody I wanted six kids, and then one crazy family came over with their five kids, and they go, you want, you want six kids? Look at what happens when my five come with your one. And I'm like, listen, you've got one problem right here. My six ain't going to look like your five. Hello, are you getting what I'm saying? When I got my six, they're going to look like this six. When we get 100,000, it's not going to look like anybody else's thing. It's going to look like what God told MPI to do. Can I get an amen? Y'all making me sassy up in here. Getting me all southern twanging, boss hogging up here. Let's live for Jesus and get radical. So this is what we're talking about. This is what it is. 100,000 disciples in Chicago, 50 churches, and then, what, 500 around the world. Do you know that at one time we had over 200 churches around the world that were using our books in India, Nigeria, the Philippines, and uh, I had to actually have them stop because it was getting out of hand and they weren't doing it right. So then I said, you know what, until we can go over there and send our own missionaries, y'all can't do it anymore. Seriously, I was working with pastors. You should look at some of the videos if you haven't seen them. We were traveling, meeting with them. Literally, I had over 100 pastors, 235 churches, and six different nations. One of them in Nigeria still says he is a Metro Praise International. I have told him, it's time to move on, do what you got to do. And he just sent me a newsletter the other day. I think I have it in my office. I would send it here. You know what I'm saying? I should keep it here so I could show you. Because I don't know if you guys believe me. Do you guys believe me? How many of you guys believe me? Okay, a few of you guys. Okay. How do we get 100,000 disciples? We make Jesus the hero, number one, and get a bunch of zeros. See, how do you get a big number like 100,000? Make Jesus the number one and get a bunch of zeros. I was a zero without Jesus. Now he's the hero. Amen? Let's give it up for Jesus, 2,000. Amen. All right, let's open up our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 15. Somebody say, Chosen. Amen. We are in a new sermon series. I want to get it on today to the break of break of dawn. Is anybody else excited? Man, y'all quiet with me right now. I know it's just one of those days I should just leave you alone, stop asking you to help me get excited, but I'm so excited. Was I not excited last night, Nancy? Nancy, was I excited last night? Are you even paying attention? Man, if my wife is gone, there is no help for me today. If, if my wife has checked out, was I excited yesterday, baby boo? I was excited. Somebody say, Chosen. You're going to learn all about it this whole month. We're going to be talking about being chosen, tying it into what makes Metro Praise International unique. And, and please don't make it out to be like we haven't had our bumps along the road. Yes, we have. I could t you, some of you have heard the stories, but I could keep you here all day. But the bottom line is we're not giving up. Amen. We take a licking and keep on ticking. Amen. John 15, at the end of that time of abide, we see that Jesus keeps talking. 
at the, at the end of his illustration about the grapevine and the branches, Jesus kept going. So those of you who were with us in the Abide series, this is literally the next set of verses. Same passage, John 15, 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. If I, uh, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I what? I chose you, thank you, and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Everybody say, love each other. Thank you. I want you to see there's three things that God chooses us for. Here they are. Number one, he chooses us for love. Number two, he chooses us for friendship. And number three, he chooses us for bearing fruit. Now, I want you to think about when we have this idea of chosen, what it means to us today in our culture, because all of us desire to be chosen and accepted. I mean, let's just be honest. You look at the American Idol, you know, contestant, he's just begging for the votes. Uh, you know, people online want people to like their Facebook posts. And even more so when it comes to family, like I want my wife to want me, you know, like I need you to need me. Come on. I want you to want me. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, that's how we are. We want that, especially from people like our family. Well, the same is true with our relationship with God. The moment someone says, I believe in God, it doesn't matter what religion they are, they're going to have a desire to be chosen and accepted by their creator. They're, they're not following that religion to lose in the end. They want to win. They want to be with their God. And sadly, today, many Christians in the church, they don't understand what it means to be chosen by God. And so there's two errors that a lot of people make, and I want to help correct them. Uh, in some cases, people think that God just randomly chooses who he's going to love and others who he's going to hate. Some he's going to let be healthy, others he's, he's going to let be sick. And this is called Calvinism, and this is an idea that came from the Reformation from a guy named John Calvin that said everything's already been predetermined. It doesn't matter what you do. God has already decided who's going to heaven. He's put every seat up there. He has their name written on those seats. No one is getting there except the ones he's chosen. What about everybody else? They're doomed from the womb. That is where the Presbyterian Lutheran's face came from, and a lot of that led to the hardening of hearts in the East Coast. A lot of those pilgrims who came in had that doctrine, and they were very rude and harsh and very strict religious because they thought they were the elect and nobody else was, and that's why Christianity had a very bad taste in people's mouth during those times and died out, and those religions now sadly are not prospering. Now, the other one is that people think when it comes to being chosen, that they have to earn the ability to be chosen, like they're earning reward points on their credit card. Anybody ever seen those credit card commercials? You know, you can earn this many points. Well, that's like Roman Catholicism. You know, you, you, do, you do this sacrament. You know, you get confirmed. You know, you confess to Father Tom in a dark closet all the naughty things you've done. You know, you, you kiss the Pope's ring. You do all of this. And hey, at the end, you're not even promised you're getting in. You may just trip and end up in purgatory. How did I get here? Well, you didn't pray to the mother of Guadalupe enough. That's why you're here, right? And so it doesn't matter on whether or not uh, it's a passive fatalist going, oh, whatever God wants, let him do, or the aggressive superstitious seeker, they're both wrong. See, you can be superstitious thinking, well, I'm doing this to please God, I'm doing this to please God, and be wrong. You can be passive just sitting back going, well, you know, whatever God wants, he'll do. That's wrong. See, what we're going to learn from this passage is that God invites all to be chosen. 
See, he invites all to be chosen. You're going to learn about that. But it's only those who respond to his love, not in works, not in superstition, not in doing a bunch of other things, but it's those who respond to the invitation by faith that are in fact chosen. That's why I pray today you become chosen because God wants to choose you. And so I want you to think about this example as we get ready to look at a parable in the Bible when it comes to chosen is that what the Bible is teaching us is like this. Imagine uh, my daughter's having a birthday party this Saturday, and I say to you, all of you are invited to my daughter's birthday party, and whoever comes will be chosen to ride on the horse that we'll have there. Okay? So you cannot ride on the horse unless you come. But I have invited everybody to come, and then whoever comes, I say, now you can be chosen. As you go into the parable we're about ready to read, you'll then see that there's a stipulation for even those who come, and that's having faith. So now it would be like me saying this. Everyone's invited to Bethany's birthday party this Saturday, and I will choose everyone who wears a birthday hat. Doesn't matter. Just put on a birthday hat, what color it is. Just wear it, and then I'll choose you to ride on the horses. So there's an invitation, come to the birthday party, and then there's something you do that has me choose you. Do you get it? And we're going to see that that is the act of faith. It's not a religious work. It's an act of faith. So let's go to our first point here and learn about being chosen for love. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 1. How many love Jesus today? Are you ready to hear a parable of Jesus? Amen. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1, is going to give us a parable that is going to help us understand how Jesus does the choosing. Now, it's a little bit long, so be patient, and let's all listen to Jesus. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So the kingdom of heaven is like a what? A king. And what was he preparing? Wedding banquet for his son. Thank you. Does anybody even know where this illustration is going already? King, wedding banquet, son. Let me just help you. God is the king. Jesus is the son. Wedding banquet is the end times coming together with the bride of Christ, the church, with Jesus, right? This is a story of salvation, okay? The king, he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. He what? Invited them. He's inviting them. Come to the banquet, and he's saying, come. But they what? refused to come. So did he not invite them? Is that why they didn't come? Because they didn't have an invitation? They didn't know how to get to where he lived? No. He gave them the invitation, but they refused to come. Does everybody get that? Okay. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been what? Invited that I prepared my dinner, my oxen, fat and cattle. Come on, some fogo de chow here. Anybody like that? That's why I have my birthday dinner every year if I can. Fogo de chow. I wish I could eat there every day. Can't afford it. You know what I'm making. I got four kids. I got a baby mama. I got a lot of needs. Amen. A lot of needs. She always got so many needs. I don't know how to fill them all. I feel that she was like, if I could just have this much money to spend, I'll be happy. And that was like 10 years ago. And then we met that budget. Now we go to the next budget. Now we go to the next, you know what I'm saying? I'm just working hard to make mama happy. Some of y'all don't believe me, do you? I think I'm telling half truth, right? Half truth. Okay. 
My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Tell them it's a party. Tell them to come. But look at verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Now notice, it doesn't say one went to shake his booty or her booty. Maybe dudes shake their booties too, but it, it doesn't say they went to the club to get down. It doesn't say they went to go sell drugs. One goes to his field. I got to go to work. Another one goes to his business, right? But then... They still didn't come, though. Now, verse 6, the rest seized his servants. They actually take the king's servants, mistreated them, and killed them. What are you doing inviting me to a fattened calf party? I don't like that stuff. I'm going to kill you. That's how angry they got, right? This is an illustration. You're, you'll see it more if you don't already. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers, burned their city. That's pretty serious. Somebody say, ooh. Okay. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I what? Those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners, go to Belmont and Clark, go to the west side, go to the south side, go to, go to, to Division and wherever the party streets are, invite, the, invite them to come to the banquet. Anyone you can find. Somebody say anyone. Look at your neighbor and say that must be how you got here. Come on, so anyone can come in now, right? Yeah, anyone can come in. People that look like you and people that look like me. Anybody can get up in this mamma jamma. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. The wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed there was a man not wearing wedding clothes. So he was invited. He did something better than the other people did. He actually came but he didn't come right. He didn't come in the clothes that he was supposed to wear. Now, let's see what the king says. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside. You know, that's a bad day, right? That, that party ain't in well for that dude. Tie him hand and foot, horse, uh, hog tie him, and throw him outside. Now, look, it gets real into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Illustration of hell comes right there. And then now here it gets to what we were talking about today. For many are invited, but few are what? Say this with me. For many are, but few are chosen. If you want to see that in the King James, for those of you who know old school terminology, it says for many are called, but few are chosen. So the term there, called and invited, is the same term. And so listen to what we see here in this illustration. Give me just a second while I shut down. Uh, some of these programs that I had open for our, our presentation. What you're going to see here is very simply is that heaven and hell is at stake dependent upon our reception or denial of that invitation. So listen to this as you think about that parable. The open invitation to spiritual salvation goes out to everyone, the many. However, relatively few respond to that invitation, turn from their own way, and follow Christ. Those who do are chosen to inherit the kingdom, responding to great God's gracious invitation by the free exercise of our will, making us a part of God's chosen people. So now go back to my illustration. See, Jesus talked about a king, servants, wedding banquet. Let's go back to Bethany's birthday party. All of you are invited. Only those who come will be chosen to ride the horse. And here's the stipulation. Instead of wearing the wedding clothes, you've got to wear a birthday hat. Do you guys get my modern application of Jesus' parable, right? Everybody get it? Birthday party, banquet. 
Everybody invited, everybody invited. Wedding clothes, birthday hat. Now listen to this. If you were invited and told to wear the birthday hat and you didn't come and you heard that other people were riding a horse and you didn't get to ride a horse, whose fault is that? Okay, now let's say you came, but you didn't put on a birthday hat, and everybody else gets to ride the horse, but you weren't chosen to ride the horse, and you get hogtied and thrown out into darkness, and you start weeping and gnashing your teeth. Whose fault is that? Okay, now some people may have a problem with a God that gets that serious, but we don't have time to question God's morality with your morality because that's actually foolishness and a contradiction. Because without God, you would have no morality. So let's not try to use your morality to slap God's hand to say bad God, okay? Because if he's truly God, the thing you call a brain, that cantaloupe-sized thing there, is probably not as well-developed as his. And so we need to ask for wisdom to ask why God would be so serious instead of slapping him on his hand saying, mean God, mean God. Or let me get you on Judge Judy's show. Let me call up Judge Judy. Judge Judy, let's get God up here. You know, dun, 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 dun. you know, here comes the people's court. Here comes Jesus. Now, Judge Judy, you you tell him he's a meanie. He hogtied my uncle and threw him out into a pit of fire or whatever. You know. No, he threw out my mom. No, you don't get to judge God like that. God judges us. Amen? So what are we seeing here? God invites us all to come, but we have to respond. That's, that's what we're getting. But then this next part of the wedding clothes seems to kind of slip our mind. What does the wedding clothes represent for us as Christians today? How do we make ourselves presentable to God so that we can get chosen as we come, so that we can get the salvation he has promised us? Do we have to do good works? Do we have to make ourselves better people? No. Let's look to the Bible and see an example of this. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2, and let's see how God dealt with his people, Israel, and how much he loved them, he cared for them, but why they lost their chance at a blessing, and why today the Gentiles get that blessing. I know that may sound a little complicated, but I want everybody just to turn to uh, Deuteronomy 14.2. I want you to see it. Look at how God talks to his people. Old Testament Bible is written to the Jewish nation. This is a nation that God started with Abraham, and he said, I'm going to send you prophets. I'm going to send you my revelation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be making myself known upon the earth through you. It's like Israel would be the stage, and God would stand upon them and make himself known. Look what he says, Deuteronomy 14.2. For you are a people, what? Holy to the Lord your God, out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has what? Chosen you to be his treasured possession. Now watch, right after that, God says, I'm choosing you. You be my treasured possession. But then he starts telling them things that they can't do as his treasure possession. Don't eat any detestable thing. And he starts telling them the things they can and can't eat. There's a reason why we in the New Testament can eat the things they couldn't. I don't have time to get into that. But God's moral law remained from the old to the new. God's religious law changed from the old to the new. And that's another discussion. I did that on hot topics on why we don't keep all the Jewish dietary laws and religious laws, but we still believe in the Jewish moral laws like thou shall not murder and 
and so forth. And when we're talking with the gay community, they get upset with us and they say, why don't you follow this law, but you follow this law? And there's a reason for that. We follow the morality laws, and sexuality comes under morality laws. We don't follow the dietary laws. Now, that's not just something we made up in the 21st century to try to get back at Jack Black and his mockery of Jesus in a play one time when he had Jesus eating shrimp saying, it's okay. No, what we're saying is, we're saying all from history, from the very New Testament, the book of Acts was written to Jews telling them, don't you try to tell Gentiles to eat your kind of food because that's no longer applicable. You can read that in the book of Acts. It wasn't made up in the 21st century. So if you think we're picking and choosing, you have a problem with Jesus and the apostles. Can I hear an amen? Okay, and, that, and you got to understand the same laws that tell us who we can have sex with are the same laws that define what, law, what, what lying is, what murdering is, what incest is. So when people want to mess with those moral laws, you then mess with the rest of them. That's why we call it a slippery slope. And it gets a bad name for us Christians, but it is the truth. But I want you to see this. The bottom line is God says, I've chosen you guys. You're my treasured possession. Now don't do X, Y, and Z. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 3 and let's see if they did the right things. You think they did the right things? Did the Jewish people obey those laws that God gave them and remain chosen as a treasure to God? How many know the Bible? This is start right here. How many have read the Bible? Okay. Out of those of you who have read the Bible, did the Jewish people end on a good note or a bad note? Okay. Now, do you remember that part of the story where he says, the ones I first invited, they didn't come, but then I went out to invite everybody else on street corners. Do you remember that? And to the original people he invited, what did he do to their cities? He what? Burned them down. And what were they doing to the servants? They were killing them, were they not? Jesus came to the Jewish people. The Jewish people killed him. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed. Who are we, non-Jewish Gentiles, those hanging on the street corners in the parable who have been invited in? That's the fulfillment. See, the gospel now goes to the non-Jewish world because the Jewish world rejected it, but it's all part of God's plan to show us that he's merciful and gracious. That's why you can read Romans chapter 11, and Jewish people today, as they repent, they come to Christ. The worst thing you could ever do would be an anti-Semite. Jesus was a Jew. That's okay, Jesus was a Jew. Somebody needs to tell the KKK that Jesus was a Jew and Moses married an Ethiopian, okay? We have some problems here with the KKK. How, how many know they're going to hell unless they repent, right? So racism does doesn't exist in the Bible, but God chose the Israelites not based on race, but based on a promise. It wasn't on the color of their skin. The way Billy Graham said it is uh, to a, talking to an African-American audience, he said, Jesus and the people of the Middle East were lighter than you and darker than me, okay? So somewhere in the color of sand is what these men looked like, all right? But they did intermingle with both races. Babylonian races were white Anglo races, and uh, Egyptian and Northern African races were uh, African ra races, uh, nations were African, and we see them always intermingling. So they were literally every kind of what we would call color and race. But what separated them was not a skin color. It was the covenant God made with Abraham, right? But the thing is, they didn't keep it. They did not do it. So now look at the author of Hebrews. Everybody say Hebrews. That's another word for the Jewish people. He now uses them as an example. Look in Hebrews, and it says, so as the, uh, Hebrews 3, 7 says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me for 40 years, though they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. I said that their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my 
different ways. So I declared on oath in my anger. Was God happy or angry right here? Hebrews 3.11, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest, right? But now look what he says to us as Christians of every nationality here. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by what? Sin's deceitfulness. Is everybody tracking with me here? Now watch this. Let's just put it all together. You are chosen for love. Think about this. John 15, 12, Jesus says, my command is this, is that you will love each other as I have loved you. You cannot love someone greater than the revelation you have of God's love for you. You can only love people with the revelation that you have of God's love for you. That's why the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself in the right way, vanity is the wrong thing, but if you don't love yourself, you can never love your neighbor, and you can never be in a marriage relationship or a parenting relationship that's healthy because it will be something other than love. So love is the basis of the choosing. God chose the Israelite people, and God now chooses us. He is saying, I am choosing you but he's asking us to be his friends and to do something with the love he gives us, okay? I love my wife, and that love is unconditional, but because I love her, I want, I desire things from her, and that's why we go to the next part where it says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, let's look at this second part and understand that we were chosen for love, but now we're also chosen for for friendship. So this love that God gives us is just not some ooey-gooey 70s love where it's like we swap wives and girlfriends and, and have menage a trois. This is not some yicky, icky love. This is a holy love based upon the principles of God. So God says, I love you. Nothing's changing that. But I want to be your friend. And friends have to be nice to each other, fulfill certain obligations. And all of us have friends. How many of you guys have friends? Okay, if you don't have a friend, find a friend after service. Okay, Brian volunteers to be the guy, friend of any guy that needs a friend right here. And Stephanie, raise your hand. You'll be a girlfriend, a girl, you know, a girl that's a friend, anybody girl that needs friends. Okay, now watch. Think about friends. Think about friends. We all have unspoken obligations that we have to be a friend. Like, like, like for example, if you, like, hit me and beat me up, I'm not going to be your friend anymore because that's like an unspoken rule. Don't beat me up and we'll be friends, right? And then there's, like, other rules that people have that get a little bit more, like, not as severe, but, you know, they're important to us. Like, don't be late. Don't be late. How many have friends that come late all the time and you're like, you're not being a good friend to me. You come late. I do not want to wait here any longer for you, right? So we have these unspoken things. How, how many of you guys have, like, an unspoken rule with your friends? You probably haven't sat down, had them sign a contract, but it's probably an unspoken rule. If I call you and talk to you about something, I don't want you putting it on Facebook. Like, that would be, like, if they do that, that, like, kind of breaks the friendship. It makes it awkward. It's not good for the friendship, right? Does God have those kinds of things? Yes, he does. Remember what we just read. He says, you're my friend if you do what? If you do what I command. So now we're starting to get this idea. I'm chosen when I respond to the invitation. I am now a friend when I do what he commands. And so let's look at the Bible. Are there any friends in the, of God in the Bible? Yeah, there are. Look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. We've already mentioned him uh, before, uh, uh, Moses. Exodus chapter 33, 11 says that Moses, when he was getting these revelations from God, would talk, the Lord would talk to Moses face to face as one speaks to a what? 
a friend. We also see that in James chapter 2, verse 23, that uh, Abraham, this awesome character we see in the Bible named as Abraham, he was a friend of God. Anybody know who Abraham is? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right arm, our Father Abraham. This is like an old Sunday school song. And then you would get kids marching and exercising. Hey, man, this is when Sunday school was about, like, doing stuff, right? Look at what it says. And the scripture was fulfilled that Abraham believed God, look at it, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called what? God's friend. Moses was God's friend. Abraham was God's friends. And look at verse 24 of this same passage. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Why is that saying that there? Because faith without works, the same book says, the book of James says, faith without works is dead. So put it together. It's not complicated, but it does take your mind to, to form the thought that Jesus is teaching us in John 15. This is what he is saying. I've loved you, and I want you to love others. And I want to be your friend, and you'll be my friend if you do what I command. And I've called you to bear fruit and do great things for me. And that was my choice. I chose you and appointed you for it. Now love each other. You see, that's what Jesus is teaching us. And what he's showing us is, I'm loving you, but are you loving me? I want to be your friend, but do you want to be my friend? And so we get this idea that friends of God are by faith, not by works. When I come to the party, I'm coming by faith that that horse is going to be there. And if God asks me to put on a silly hat, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I believe there's a reason for it. So that's why James declared that Abraham received the favor of God or blessing of God, not because of his religious works. It's not because Abraham tried to impress God or Moses tried to read his Bible so much to impress God. No, it was they trusted God, not impressed God. They trusted God. Are you guys understanding the difference. See, works are trying to impress somebody. I'm going to try to impress you, but trust is what God is looking for. But if you are then genuinely in faith, trusting God, you're going to show it by obedience, which is the reality of your faith. So it's like that old illustration I always give here. You know, you got a guy on a unicycle. Oh, by the way, the, you know the guy with walking across? He did the Sears Tower or something around here with the, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about, the, uh, the tightrope walker? Okay, that guy's a Christian, by the way. And you know you got to be a Christian if you're walking on a tightrope, right? Jesus, I need you. <laughs> he's like a Latino. He's like, he's like from Europe, but he, pray, he prays like a Latino. Oh, Dios mío, I need you, Jesus. I'm sorry, I was a little racialist. Forgive me. Is my face turning red? Is my face turning red? A little bit. I looked to my Latino former gang me member just to see if I still got his love. If I've lost your love, we've, 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 we've shipwrecked. Tight rope walker. Here we go. Tight walker. I need to put rope in there. Otherwise, who knows what's going to show up. <laughs> oh, it's already getting dirty. Close your eyes, children. Close your eyes. Okay, here we go. So this guy's walking across a tight rope. Okay, so it's, it's one thing. Let's say you're watching this guy, and let's say his name's Tom, and you're watching Tom, like, at the top of these buildings, and Tom's like, hey, do you guys believe that I can walk on this tightrope from one side to the other? And you're like, sure, Tom, I believe you can do it, man. You're just crazy enough to try it, Tom. And, and, and he would be like, okay. And then he would say, but do you believe I can do it with somebody on my shoulders? Somebody on my shoulders. And then, and then you'd be like, sure, Tom, sure, whoever gets on your shoulders crazy 
crazy enough to do it. I believe you guys could walk across that thing. And then now let's imagine Tom looks at you and says, okay, hop on my shoulders. You see, you just went from a make-believe faith to the opportunity of a real, genuine faith. Your faith in Tom being able to walk across that tightrope with somebody on his shoulders will have to be proven by you getting on the shoulders. And that's the kind of faith that God is looking for. That's the kind of friends he's looking for. Not those who just sit back and go, oh, that's a great Bible. Those commands are pretty cool. I bet you those who do them are pretty happy. No, those who actually go out and do them. Not to impress him, but because they trust him. Are you guys with me? Amen. I hope that gave you something to think about. Now, I want you to put it together. We're getting here to the close, okay? We're getting right here to the end. I want you to think about... What Jesus is saying here in John 15, 14 through 15, you're my friend if you do what I command, but I'm not calling you servants anymore. I'm calling you my friends because everything the Father has told me, I have told you. So now think about this. You and I have friends that sometimes don't tell us what bothers them, and they keep it in, and then they don't talk to us for a while. Has anybody had a friendship like that? Like, why are you mad? Man, why aren't you calling me back? Why aren't you texting me? But Jesus is not that kind of friend because look at this right here. He says, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. See, he gave us his word so we can know what it's like to be his friend. So if I'm sinning and God is not blessing, I can't use that as an excuse because he put in the word what sinning was. And so today, if you want to be God's friend, don't keep sinning against him. Do what he commands because that shows that you love him. And you may say, well, I don't know what he commands. Read his word and know what he commands, which then brings us to the last part, which is that we are chosen to bear fruit. You see, this is the point. It's not just a relationship just for you and God to hang out all by yourself on the top of Mount Himalaya and go, hmm. Are you having fun, Jesus? I'm having fun. Okay, what do we do now? Now you walk on rice paper, little grasshopper. You walk on grass, you walk on rice paper, and you don't break it. That's what you do. You stop the raindrops with your thought. And then the raindrop stops right there. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like I got one guy who likes kung fu movies. And then all of a sudden, like, everything's blowing around you, these purple flowers, and then you just, and you stop a raindrop. Okay, listen. That is not the point of this. I just got so far out there. Forgive me. It's so funny. I brought some of you back. Some of you who were like half asleep. Like that just brought you back. I need to do more like Mr. Miyagi stuff here, okay? It's like, just keep telling jokes, Pastor. I like it when you do that. Okay, chosen for bearing fruit. So this is not just about me and God like Jacques Cousteau on some treasure chest hunt for buried spiritual treasure. I'm not, like, supposed to be looking for my chakra or whatever, okay? This is about being a Christian to be Christ-like to help the hurting world. So I'm supposed to be bearing fruit for others to enjoy. Christ was a blessing to this world because he loved others. He helped them. He healed them. He fed them. He befriended them. The Bible says he was a friend of sinners. Amen. How many are glad Jesus was a friend of sinners? Amen. Because if it wasn't he was a friend of sinners, he would never have been hanging out with you. We were all sinners, and praise God that he came for us. So we need to see this calling, this choosing of Christ to be his friend as an opportunity to bear fruit, going back 
to that illustration of the vine. And so what did we learn in the Abide series of being a vine, uh, God being the vine and us being the branches, bearing that fruit? We learned that fruit's the fruit of the Spirit. Character, good character, morals and integrity. We learned that God wants us to be in the ministry. You're supposed to have a part of what happens in this church and not this church. Go find another church, amen, because no excuses here. Everybody needs to find a good church to be a part of. Uh, Good works. Being a mother or a, or a wife is a good work. A husband, a father is a good work. Uh, enjoying your job. How many think we should enjoy our jobs? Amen. We should go to work. Do it all as unto the Lord. Bear good fruit there. Let this year be a year of goal setting on your job and your career. Be the best that you can be. Prosperity. We are to save. Uh, we are to earn all we can, save all we can, and give all we can. Not to be, um, not to be boastful, not to waste our monies, but make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Amen? That's a good godly principle to live by. And then lastly, wisdom. He wants us to bear fruit and wisdom. People should be able to pull off wisdom nuggies from you, little wisdom nuggets, amen, out of your life tomorrow and be like, oh man, I didn't know about that, but I know about that now. Oh yeah, I want to learn how to be a mom like you. Oh yeah, how do you keep your temper, uh, you know, keep from getting angry when people act crazy? This should all be in our life. That's good fruit. Somebody say good fruit. Chosen to bear fruit at Metro Praise International. Before I get into that, I just want to make sure we all got this passage down. Somebody say chosen. Okay, let's just go review. Review is for you. This is the sermon title. Everybody got it? How many understand what we talked about today? Okay, we understand chosen. Now look at this. See if you understand this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So that means I am chosen for love. He's loved me. Now I love. Do you understand how that love works? We're all invited in. And, and you can get chosen if you want. If you want to be a part of this, you can But if you don't want to love others like Jesus loves, then you'll reject his love. And that's really what hell is about. Hell's not just about God being sadistic and loving to torture us and set us on fire like a little 8-year-old putting a magnifying glass over an ant, sizzling it and going, yeah, that's not God. God is giving people what they want when they reject his love, and that is hell. Hell is where God is not. Love is where heaven is, uh, what heaven is, because God is love. Are you with me? So that's what he's saying. This is my command. Love, love, okay? Then he gives an example of what love is. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. See, he laid down his life for just a few people, or did Jesus die for the whole world? God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. So think about this. Jesus called the whole world to be his friend. He gave out one big friend invitation. Do you want to be my friend? I'm going to die for you now. I'm going to show you that I love you. I'm going to lay down my life for your sins. Those things you've done. And then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So, Peter, you want to be my friend? I'm laying down my life for you. Do what I command. And you'll be my friend. But, it, but, but I'm not good enough to do it. And do, do I have to earn t- 12 stars to be your friend? No, 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 Peter, you missed it. Go back to the first part. Peter, I love you. That, that doesn't change. I love you, Peter. Do you receive it? You got it. Boom, it's over. But if you want to be my friend and walk with me, Peter, right, don't blaspheme my name. Don't lie to people. Don't steal. How could you say you're my friend stealing, right? How could you have sex before you're married? How how, how could you, you know, believe in violence? See, Peter, you do that, you're not acting like me. That's, that's, That's a contradiction. That's what he's teaching. Everybody get that? 
You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. So up until this point, Jesus had been very secretive with them. He was a typical sensei. They were the karate students. He was, his, he was their what? Sensei. Everybody say sensei. And they, and they were the karate students. Everybody here with me? Second servant's been along to help me out. Okay. But at this point, he's like, hey. I've been talking a lot of parables. You know, a lot of this stuff has been deep. It's been going over your head. I've been your typical rabbi. There's been a degree of separation, but not anymore. Not anymore. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. How many things? How many things? Everything I've made known to you. See, I'm telling you now how it is. This is how you're in. This is how you know you're with me. This is how you know you're pleasing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses. And then now, if they got a little bit insecure, he says, you didn't choose me. Peter, you weren't out looking down the road of Galilee for me. No, I came on the shores of Galilee for you. Matthew, you weren't looking for me. Matthew, I came to your tax collecting desk looking for you. I came for you. I chose you. I invited you. I initiated this with you. And I've appointed you so that you might go out and bear fruit, fruit that lasts. I've called you to do good things, bearing fruit, good things, things that will bless others, and that fruit will last. When you're a good mother, it lasts for generations. When you're a good friend, it lasts a lifetime. Hello, somebody. And so that whatever you now ask in my name, the Father will give you. So why do these people now get the American Express black credit card from Jesus without a limit? Because they're his friends. They're not asking the Father for personal greeds. They're asking the Father for kingdom needs. See, Jesus taught in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we have a new year starting. Don't, don't seek weight loss. Don't seek the job. Don't seek promotion. I'm in my doctorate studies. Don't seek to get good eggs, a, 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 good grades, A's. Don't seek the marriage. Seek God and his kingdom first, his righteousness. That's what he taught us. And then all these things will be added. See, that's why you ask whatever in his name and the Father gives it to you. And then this is called a sandwich. He ends it the way he begins. This is my command, love each other. He started off with, this is my command, love each other. He tells you what it means, and then he ends, this is my command, love each other. And there was a big literary term I was going to use, and my brain forgot. That's why I said it's called a sandwich, but there's really a literary term for that other than just sandwich. And so here now we are. Can I have Rachel come to the keys? Where are you? going to be when God calls you to be his friend, to bear fruit. Where are you going to be to do that? The church should be a place you hear an invitation to, to be chosen, to be God's friend, to bear fruit. So think about what Metro Praise is doing. Metro Praise is here today because God called my wife and I to be God's friend, to love him, and bear fruit. So my wife and I were, were we even engaged when we started the church? No, we were dating. I was a hot single pastor. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is so vain right now, but she was a hot single woman of God. And I saw her across the room and I said, baby, 
Do you want to start a church together? No, but uh, I don't know how it all happened because I'll mess it up if I try to tell it. But somewhere along the line, let me think if I can remember, we, she was going to another church. I was a youth pastor at another church. I resigned. We dated for a little bit, and then I broke up, and we dated again. Okay. And then I was looking for a church, and no churches were opening up. And then I, I, I think I came to you or at some point, and we were dating, and I said, I think God's told me to start a church here. And then I went and called up my pastor from New Orleans from where I went to Bible college. And I said, this is what I'm thinking. And his rule was, hey, just don't take anybody from other churches. You know, because I had some, some pull from being a youth pastor. And I said, of course, I'm not here to, uh, to go fishing in a barrel. I'm here to go fishing in the ocean, right? I'm not here to go kidnap other spiritual kids from church. No, I'm here to build a new, new thing. He said, go. So then we started in our house. And we started having Bible study. And what happened was we were playing video games, and uh, one guy came, and he said, I don't really like video games, but I heard you're a pastor. I was playing Halo, and he said, would you talk to me about the end times? And I said, after I finish playing these video games, we'll talk about the Bible. I'm being dead serious. Because I, like, I was like, this is video game time, dude. What are you not getting about this? Don't you see what I'm doing here? Does anybody have a Bible out? And so the Lord rebukes me. I set down the controller, and I do a Bible study with David Montez. He became one of our first elders and many of your uh, Bible study leader. He was leading Bible studies with us, him and his wife. She, her, she designed our logo, was with us for many years. And then um, Salvador's sister, Jessica, was dating a young man named uh, Augustine, yeah, I got a lot messed up now. Augustine was, his sister's name's Jessica, was dating Salvador. And they had known me from the other church when I was a youth pastor, but they stopped going even when I was youth pastoring. And then they wanted to start going again. They show up to that church, and I'm not there. And they're like, well, where's Pastor Joe? I don't know where he's at. And they said, oh, here he is. Give him a call. And I'm just totally teasing. But then they called me up. And like, Can you pastor me, Pastor Joe? And I was like, I only got a little Bible study. Well, okay, I'll come on over then. I'm just being silly. Just, it's so late right now. Can I have fun with this a little bit? I'm just embellishing. And so then he came over, and it was like two, three people. And that's how the church started, right? Something like that. And then we said, well, let's go look for a place to have church. And in our neighborhood there on um, Addison and Grace was the old Irving Park Methodist Church. And I was jogging one day, and God's like, you can have church there. And I'm like, come on, God, I don't even have any money. I don't even know these people. And he's like, no, you can have church there. And literally, I go in there and ask to talk to somebody, and I'm thinking, they're not going to be here. They're not going to even have anybody here. And I go in, I go, hey, can I talk to somebody about renting the church? And they're like, oh, yeah, the pastor's right here. Just go on in. I'm like in my jogging clothes. And I sit down and I just tell them, I'm like, well, I'd like to start a church. And we don't have anywhere to meet. And I don't even have any money. But I know I can be honest. And whatever we make, I'll give you half of it. How about that? Whatever we have, we'll give you half. And they said, sure. And guess what? We have an elders meeting, whatever meeting that night. We'll vote on it and let you know tomorrow. She called me up tomorrow. Uh, the next day she said, you can come by and get the keys. And in less than 24 hours, I had the keys to like this huge old building. But no real people. But we said, okay, we're going to start with those people, right? 
And we started making disciples. And you know that these books and these things that we have, I just started making these lessons. And I said, man, let me just put them together. And, and we just had this whole idea of, well, you know, let's love God and love people. And I wish I could have that first slide here for everybody to see as I'm getting a little nostalgic. Uh, but I said, man, let's, let's love God, love people. Let's connect, mentor, send. Boom, boom, boom. 101, 201. And then I said, Lord, if I'm going to start a church at this age, I was 28 years old, I said, God, I want to have a dream to give my whole life to. I don't want to be jumping all around. I, I don't want to go from one church to the next. I said, Lord, just give me a dream. And, and I just felt like as I was praying, the Lord said, what's the biggest number you can think of? And I was like, man, 100,000 would be a lot of people. Now, it's funny because I, I told that really early on to some, like, weird, weirdy Christian people. And they were like, man, you can only see 100,000. Dude, I can see a million. Well, obviously, I could close my eyes and I could see a billion, too. Okay, I could do that. But I was, like, literally thinking, how could we assimilate, disciple, strategize, build, like, fully functioning? What could we handle? What could the Lord give me as a lifetime dream? It's like 100,000. And that would be double the size of Joel Osteen's church now. At that time, it would have been triple. So it's like, boom. And then we started. We had about 11 people come to that first service, and we just started being faithful. And uh, I didn't show this in the first service, but uh, I can show you what our attendance was like as the years went by. How many want to see that before we close out? Amen. Y'all are the afternoon service. You ain't got nowhere to go, do you? Amen. You've already had lunch. You've already eaten. You've already chilled. I sent this to my friend. I'm going to see if I can send it to you, and we can all look at it and see how the church grew. How many want to see that? Amen. You guys want to see it? I'm trying to buy some time. Look at your neighbor and tell them something nice that you had happen over New Year's as I try to find this. I don't know where that picture went. Tell them something that you like about them. Oh, this silly thing. Thank you for your patience. see if I can get this to show up here. This right here. Okay, this is going to make me log into my Facebook. You guys don't look at my password, okay? Don't look at my password. Everybody's looking. They're like, <laughs> Pastor, I don't care if I'm in church. I'm going to hack you, man. But you know what's so cool is you won't be able to see when I put in my password. That's what's so cool about this. You won't be able to see. You only know my email. See? Y'all don't see it, do you? Trying to be slick. See, I wanted to see if I could trust you guys. Okay, here we go. You guys want to see how it all began? Look at this. This will, oh, man, I'm about, I'm about ready to cry right now, man. I will cry like a little baby. First year, first month. March 2005 averaged 13 people. That entire year averaged 14.3. Isn't that something? 
The next year, we averaged 32 people. The next year, 47 people. We're talking years, and I haven't even preached to 50 people yet. I used to travel and preach to thousands. You know, you're not all the time, but I would preach in front of big churches, you know what I'm saying? And we're talking three years have gone by. I'm not even preaching to 50 people. But that, that's what I'm willing to give to this thing. Are you guys listening to me? My wife worked at the bank for the first five years. Then we averaged 67 people, and right here I stopped taking numbers because I got so upset about numbers because we started off that time because we started in March. We started off with like a high of 82, and then a bunch of people got mad and left. So I don't know if you ever talked to people from 08. They may be hating on Metro. I don't know because a bunch of people left here. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm done. You know, I had a 59-month in December. I'm like, y'all don't love Jesus. I ain't counting you no more. I ain't not counting no more. I'm done counting. I don't even care anymore. Next year, I don't even know. But I guess I might have grown a little bit because it kept growing, obviously. And I wish I would have kept it because then I could see that it was growing. So my guess is these are the numbers because there was there's other ways I can tell, but it'll take too long. And then we went to a bigger facility, and then um, we actually started another campus, and that just we just didn't have enough money. So I ended up having to shut down two campuses, going personally bankrupt. That was a fun fun time of my life. That's when I gained basically 60 pounds, you know what I'm saying? And by the way, I didn't steal no money, didn't have any prostitutes. It's just that was the recession. Could somebody say recession? That was the recession. And because I wasn't counting how many people I had, where did I lose you at? Having prostitutes? Okay. Yeah. Because I have my friends, and I have, no, I don't even want to go there, but I know people have had prostitutes anyways. So, so here we go. Uh, and then I said, well, let's start counting again. And so I start counting in, in uh, April of 12, and now we have 118 people. So we went from 67 to 118. My thing is like, yay, God, we still got more people. Amen. Uh, but I stopped counting during that time. And then uh, we, we basically, this is where we started the church here. We came back here. We had always been here, but then we left for this little short time. Then we came back, and then we said, we got 118, let's go. And then you can just see sometimes it goes down to 106. Like, where did the 12 of you guys go? That's okay. We'll get more in your place. And then you go up to 123. See, 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 look at this. You have this number, then your lowest number, and then like a highest number. You know, it's just the way it goes. But then you get an average of 111. And then that next year, 2013, bam, 120. And then uh, this is a 2014 one. So I got the, this has been a whole year since then. But now we're close, like I said, to 200 people. Isn't that awesome? Let's give it up for that's what you do. You don't quit. Amen. I don't know if I'm crazy or determined or part crazy, part determined, but you just don't quit. You keep going. And what I want to say with you guys here in closing, I know I'm a little over. Thank you for your patience. Is uh, what I would like to share with you in closing is it's, it's never been a better time to get in the vision than it is now. So here's what I want to say in all sincerity. If this is not your vision and you don't feel called to this and, and you're not going to receive the invitation, can I give you guys an invitation to, to New Life Covenant? Can you guys go there next week? Because we need the seats for people who are called. Because eventually this is going to get filled again, right? So if you, if you don't want to be here can, and you don't want to take the invitation, will you take my invitation to go to Chicago Tabernacle then? I want to invite you to go there, okay? Go be great for them. And, you know, like there'll be like 10 people going over there next week. Well, how did you hear about us? Well, my pastor told me to come here. Well, who's your pastor? Metro Praise International. Well, he just told me to come here, you know. Because here, here's the thing. If, if you don't want to do this, we're not doing something else. If, if we haven't changed in 10 plus years, we're not changing now. And if you feel 
that this is not for you. I don't mean to say, like, we're not the only good church. We're the only good church. Of course there's great churches in Chicago, of course. But I'm saying this is what we're called to do, and we're going to do it. And so my prayer has always been this, from the young people in the back to some of the new families that have been coming, my prayer has always been this. God, give us people that want to do this. Give us people that want to love God, love you, called to that love, called to the friendship of connect, mentor, send. That's, that's what really discipleship is. It's friendship. And then called to bear fruit, people who want to dream big in life and change the world. Let's pray about that. Can we do that? Just right where you're seated right now, let's just pray. Ben, would you come, please? Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you for my friends that came here, uh, Lord, to hear your word. And, Lord, I pray that they've heard it clearly uh, that you have called us all to salvation. And now just in an attitude of prayer, have you accepted the call of salvation? How you accept it is by responding with faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Right now, would you just open up your heart and uh, ask Jesus to be the master, the savior, the friend of your life, if you haven't already. If I could just get the altar workers and band to come, please. Right now, just be a friend of God. Don't do it for my sake. Don't do it because you heard a, a good preacher today. Do it because God is worth it. Jesus proved it by laying down his life for you. Jesus. Jesus. We used to sing a song in the church. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He called me friend. Could you just sing that melody, please? Just, I am a friend of God. Just think about that. I am a friend of God. And I am a friend of God. He called me friend. Just as we're singing that, think about that. God came in Jesus Christ, the Son, to give us friendship, to give us forgiveness, to lay down his life for us. He calls me friend. I want you to listen to me. All of us have come here by the way of sin. People come to this church. You know I'm a young, hit pastor, but listen to me. In an attitude of prayer, please hear my heart. People come to this church all the time. And they're like, dude, you are so funny. Your church is so laid back. The music is cool. I get you. But you are harsh sometimes when it comes to these issues. Sex before marriage, drunkenness, homosexuality, whatever. And you're like, why are you like that? I've had people tell me. I used to work on, uh, do evangelism on Belmont and Clark. This one, a lesbian young lady, she was my friend. We would see each other. Her grandfather died, and she wanted me to do the funeral because she didn't know any other pastor. I mean, that's how close we were. And then just in one of these conversations, she's just like, you are awesome. I love you. But why do you think this is sin? And I've had people come to this church. They were living together and they just didn't want to get married for whatever reason. And they're like, pastor, we love you. But why do you got to call out this sin? It makes me feel bad. You know, why do you got to call it thin? You know, listen to me. Why? Because I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I'm, I'm his friend. It's not that I'm, you know, th uh, thirsty to send people to hell. I didn't go to Belmont and Clark to damn people to hell. The Bible says we all are damned without Christ. I don't go to the west side to point to gangbangers and be like, look, y'all going to hell. Y'all going to go to hell because you're selling drugs. Don't y'all know you all going to go to hell? Listen, little Wayne, look at the way y'all dressing drugs. Y'all going to go to hell. 
I don't go out there saying that. And, no, and by the way, I don't talk like that. But I don't go out there to go condemn the gangbangers. Go tell them gangbangers they're going to hell. I don't do, why do I go there? Because I love them. The love of God has already been settled. The cross is screaming out to the world. There's an invitation to the Father's house paid for in full. But why I preach the commands of God is because I'm a friend of God. And so today, if you're wrestling with the commands of God, some of you are not sure yet. You're not sure of everything he commanded. Well, join a Bible study. Get involved. Take the baby steps. If you are sure, because some of you are sure, you're just like, yeah, yeah, I know it's sin. Okay, I'm, I'm caught. I'm tired of hiding it. Just surrender. That's what I did. I didn't come to God like, okay, God, I'm going to be your friend, but, you know, I've been sleeping with this girl a lot, and she goes to church, too, and we're going to, you know, come on. I came to God, and I was like, God, I'm giving it all up. I moved out of the house with the girl I was living with. I was like, okay, God, this is what I do now, I guess. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. No one came around to me and was like, man, Pastor Joe, you, or Joe, you looking at pornography, man? You looking at, no. It was like, I'm not going to look at that stuff anymore. I'm a friend of God. God's my friend. I don't do it because I'm afraid of hell. I do it because I love him. I don't go home with my wife today, give her a back rub, you know, help her put on and off her clothes. I don't do it because I'm afraid of divorce. I do it because I love her. So just before we move on, are you a friend of God? Are you God's friend? You believe in him? Do you love him? You keeping his commands? Have you made it right? Are you going forward in the right direction? If not, would you take these moments starting a new year? being a friend of God, just as Rachel sings. No one needs it more than you because you're the only one that's going to stand on Judgment Day between you and Him. You need it. I need Him. Search our hearts, God. Show us who we really are on the inside. Now, let's go to the second part of the parable, this idea of a guy getting thrown out, hogtied, thrown out into the darkness. What is this? This is us as Christians now saying, oh, I'm coming. I love Jesus. I'll be at church. But then we don't have the good works, the things that God wants us to do. We don't have the wedding clothes on. And God says, nope, sorry, that, I didn't call you to live like that. Nope, sorry, I didn't, no, you can't stay like that. So you may be a Christian, but you're not doing what Christians do. Would you be honest right now and say, God, i got to get my wedding clothes on. And here's how you do it. You pray it like this. Lord, clothe me in your righteousness. Give me the clothes of holiness. Nobody changes themselves. Not here, not at this church. This isn't uh, Oprah Winfrey's life classes where we help become better people. No, this is where dead people admit they're dead spiritually and God makes them alive. This is not self-help. This is God help. So come on, Christian. Don't try to say I'm going to read my Bible five chapters a day and pray 30 minutes a day and then I'm going to fast once a week and then I'll be a Christian. No, say, God, change my attitude, change my mind, clothe me in righteousness, and then show me how to do that stuff because that stuff won't change me without you. It's like having a car without gas. Yeah, the car is nice and pretty, but it's going nowhere. If 
I don't have the Holy Spirit living in me, abiding in me, I'm going nowhere, despite all the little religious tricks I do. And then lastly, right now, come on, we've prayed through it. Chosen for love, chosen for friendship. And now lastly, how many of you want to bear fruit? Just right now where you're at, say, God, I want to bear fruit in these areas. Because he said you could ask whatever you desire. Because now you're supposed to be doing it as a friend, right, who loves God. So I just want some fruit to be spoken out right now for some of my leaders as you're praying. As I come and hand you the mic, guys, just pray where you want to bear fruit. Just simply start your prayer by saying, Lord, help me bear fruit in blank and name it off. Come on. Lord, help me bear fruit, God, in ministry. Use him, God, at the schools, uh, the school where he's a mentor at, God, at that uh, alternative school, God. Use him, Lord, uh, as he reaches out to the gangs and to the youth. And I also pray that you'll bless him, make him fruitful, God, for his family and their finances this year, more than you ever have before. Come on. I want to bear fruit in evangelism. Man, let her bear fruit in evangelism. Y'all don't have to be so spiritual, too. Lord, help her have a good marriage, God. She's planning a marriage for the spring as well, wedding. Make her fruitful as a wife, God. Make her fruitful in her finance. I thank you for her testimony that now she has benefits. These things matter for us down here on earth, God, because the dust you made us in is falling apart, Lord. And we thank you that you've provided medical benefits and a job for her, Lord. Come on, what else do you want? Say something spiritual and something that's non-spiritual. Come on. Lord, help me bear more fruit at my job, Lord, to have more patience toward those that, you know, just, they just want to, they don't want to abide in the rules, Lord. And as a security guard, you know, I have to enforce the rules, Lord. I just pray that you would give me the patience, Lord, for those that just want to give anyone a hard time, Lord. I pray that you would give me patience, Lord, in my home, Lord. Patience, Lord, wherever I go, Lord. I pray that you would give me patience, Lord. If anything in my heart, Lord, that you see that is lacking, Lord, fill it, Lord. To the fullness, Lord, in Jesus' name. How many want to see a fruitful security guard? Say amen. Amen. A true, honest security guard. Bless him, Lord. Bless him in the church, God. Come on. Lord, I want to bear fruit in, in the workplace that could bring honor to your and glory to your name. There's a, each, each person that I encounter uh, at the chiropractor's, the chiropractor's office, and I uh, just pray that I would be an example and lead by example to my family as well. Tony has gotten his uh, classes done for massage therapy. He's going for his certification. Lord, we pray you bless him with that certification. Bless his job. Bless his company. Bless Nathan, his baby boy, and his new marriage to Jerry. Just making a year this week, Lord. Hallelujah. Man, I like to bear fruit, Lord, in my family, Lord God, and just uh, giving their lives to you, Lord, and in my finances, Lord God. Uh, just you providing for open doors, Lord, to either go back to school, God, or just do what you've uh, put in front of me, Lord. I want to be faithful. Amen. Lord, she wants all her family to be saved. We've seen them come for special events. We pray they come back and become disciples. And Lord, lead her into a master's program or to a fruitful career. You've given her so many gifts and talents and keep using her as a worship leader in the youth group, Lord. Make her fruitful. Come on, I'll let you be the last one. You want to bear some fruit for Jesus? Amen. Lord, thank you so much, God. I just pray that you would help me bear fruit at my job, Lord. Father, for those budding friendships, Lord Jesus, that they would turn their ear to you, God. Give me words to say to them, Jesus. God, that they would come to you, God. And I pray that you would help me be a mom that is patient, that is kind, that is forgiving, Lord God. Help me, God, um, just to share the love of God with my own kids. Even when it's hard, even when I lose my temper, I pray, God, that I would show them the love of Jesus. If you believe for a fruitful 2016, can you stand up and bless the Lord with me this afternoon?
Amen. Isn't it time to shine for Jesus Christ? Amen. I want to see you go for all that God gave you this year. And, and here's my thing with you. Whatever challenges we face, let's turn them into growth opportunities. My wife and I faced a tremendous challenge at the end of the year. It's not always peaches and cream, singing in the rain, but I've been seeing God grow my faith so much, amen? So I don't know what holds ahead for you and what kind of fruit you'll have to bear, but no matter what you face, determine to stick with Jesus, amen? I'm going to have uh, Tony close us out in prayer, and then we'll sing some songs, and if you have to go, go, but if you need prayer for anything, come on up and let us pray for you before you go. Thank you. so good we thank you for another year thank you god that you've called us chosen and that that we could be lord god friends of you lord jesus and i just pray lord god that this year 2016 lord god will be a year for some lord god to just make an impact in their lives and in the lives of their friends and family lord god Lord God, you've given us a clean slate, Lord God, and I just pray, Lord God, that we would just go after you, Lord God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord God, and we'll continue to serve you and love you, Lord God. Lord God, I thank you for everyone here. I pray that you will bless them, Lord God, throughout the rest of this week, Lord God, and that this message, Lord God, will just resonate in their hearts, Lord. And Lord God, I just thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. In your name, amen. I'll see you guys next week. God bless you. We're going to sing this. Come on, Rachel, if you can, please. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. If you need prayer, come on up. Thank you for coming. I'm a friend. about singing that if you can. Sing it in your car today. Sing it with your family. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. Come back next week with a friend to hear the word. We'll learn more about being chosen. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. God Almighty. Let's take it there, sister. Come on. Stephanie, would you sing it with me, please? Come on.
Jesus is a friend of sinners, and he's a friend of mine. And Jesus is a friend of sinners, and Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of sinners, and Jesus is a friend of
Jesus paid it all, all to 